Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining us here at Believer's Victory Church. Today we have an inspiring, powerful message that will change your life. Let's listen in as Pastor Peggy Heal teaches us from the Word of God. Hallelujah! Glory to God! It's good to be in church! Amen! Praise the Lord! We are in the midst of our 21 days of prayer and fasting, and we are starting week two. Week one has gone great. Pray for those who are doing the full-on Daniel fast. Pray for them. They need it. Amen. Pray for them. <laughs> Pray for all of us that are getting up. We're getting here early in the morning praying, and, and I just encourage you to grab one of these uh, prayer focus handouts and things we're praying for, and we're praying for a lot of things that are not on there. We are continually lifting up the uh, people in Puerto Rico and everything they're going through. Also, throughout the Midwest, they had the tornadoes and storms uh, just here recently. We're praying for them. We're praying for Australia and everything going on there. We're just praying for the world, amen, because how many know the world needs help? The world needs help. People need help. And God is our help. You know, the Bible says the Holy Ghost, he is our helper, amen? He's here to help us. When Jesus was talking to the disciples, he told them, it's better for you that I go because then the Father will send the comforter or the helper, the one called alongside to help you. And I don't know about you, but I need help. The world needs help. And as we pray, James 5 says that the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man makes much power available. And you know what? How many believe the world needs the power of God? And our prayer makes a difference. And so as we're praying, I just encourage you to join in. If you say, oh, I didn't know about it. I I wasn't here last week. That's okay. You can still get in. You can do 14 days. Amen. How many know 14 days is better than no days? How many know one day is better than no day? Right? One day, one minute's better than no minute, right? And so I just encourage you to get involved, get in there, um, come and pray with us. Also, Saturday, you say, oh, you know, I can't come during the week. We pray here Saturday at 9 o'clock, uh, Sunday morning at 8 o'clock, and I just encourage you to come. Amen? It's awesome. But we're in a series, and, um, you know, after uh, last week's service, we have a, a word for our church for this year, a word for our church for this year. It's very deep. And it's spiritual, and we're still searching the Greek meaning of it, but we haven't. No, just kidding. The word is, how many know the word? Beep, beep. Beep, beep. Some are like, I need a new church. I need a new church. I need a new church and a new pastor because I need a better word than beep, beep. But you know what? When you know what it is, you're going to grab a hold of it because you know what? Life is all about moving, and this, this series is to get us moving. Amen? Beep, beep. Because if we're not intentional, we're just going to fall back into patterns and repeat things. And, and here's one thing. You know, God, last year we, we had a word for us. It was breakthrough. And, you know, a lot of us, we received breakthrough in some areas. And it didn't come the way we thought. Some, for, for a lot, it was a lot more painful than we thought it would be. It was a painful breakthrough, but it was a breakthrough nonetheless. And the thing is, if we're not intentional, the pit that God pulled us out of or the situation that God changed or the healing that God provided or the way that God made, if you're not intentional, you will wind up right back there. 
right back there. You know, they did a, a thing. This was years ago. They did this. You could um, probably look it up. I remember watching. It was like either Barbara Walters or one of those people. You know, they did this thing where they took people who were um, in poverty. They had no money. And they gave each of them a large sum of money. Gave each person a large sum of money. And they tracked these people to see how a change in their life would affect them. And do you know that over 90% of the people within a very short period of time were right back in the situation that they were in before they had their windfall? The thing is, if we don't change how we think, we're not going to change how we live. If we don't change how we think, we're not going to change the decisions that we make. And the thing that God did in you, for you, through you, you'll wind up right back in the same place you were. Not because God stopped showing up, but because you stopped moving forward. Amen? And so when we're here, this series, what we're doing, we're talking about it's time. And we got this from, you know, how many of us have ever been sitting at a, at a stoplight, you know, and actually just this morning, I'm sitting at the light on, t- on 95, getting ready to turn on to 10th, and you know, we're all sitting there. Everybody knows after the red light comes the green light, right? And so sure enough, whoever's up front, they don't go, so everybody starts beep beeping. Some people are doing a little more longer beep because they're a little more aggravated, you know? And so what are they trying to do? They're trying to get that person to move, to go. Why? Because the light's saying it's time to go. One of the most, one of the most uh, quoted scriptures for the new year is that God is doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? And you know what? God is doing a new thing. But if your head's down, you're on your phone, you're doing all this, you're not going to see the green light. If you're all distracted by everything going on, you're not going to see the God green light saying go. But we've got in his word that it's time to move. Amen? And so we're here today in the next couple of weeks just making a decision. Hey, here's some areas I need a beep beep in. Here's some areas I just need a real, I just need somebody to remind me, hey, it's time to go. Henry Ford said this, and we've quoted this many times, but I didn't realize he's the one that said it. He said, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. I, how many, there's a restaurant in the Wellington Mall, it's called Ford's Garage, and it's all Henry Ford, and they have a, quotes of his all over the building, and one of the quotes there, he said, if I had asked the people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. Just think about it for a second. He said, if I had asked the people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. How many, if you don't realize, Henry Ford invented the automobile. And so he was saying, listen, they were stuck in what they'd always had, what they'd always done. But he had the, the, the fortitude, he had the creativity, he had the insight to say, you know what, there's another way. Amen? There's another way. He gave the whole world the literal beep beep, right? Because they're in the car. He gave the whole world. He changed the world because he said, I'm not going to do things how it's always been done. I'm going to do things a little bit differently. 
Amen. And so as we go into this year, and you know, the new year always has time of reflection, like Pastor Angel was saying, always has, you know, gives us a little bit of spunk, like, you know, I'm going to do things different this year. Well, let's, let's really do that. Amen. Let's really do that. And so here we go. So we're going to talk today. And uh, one of the things where one of the text scriptures is, and this scripture, people don't like this scripture because you don't know what it means. But Jesus went around all the time and he was telling people to repent. Now, as soon as you hear the word repent, you immediately start thinking, oh, I'm a dirty, rotten sinner and I need to, you know, turn or burn or whatever. It's like it has negative things to it. But truly, the word repent is a powerful, beautiful word. Jesus kept saying, he said, repent. He said, repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And that word repent, it's not negative. It's really powerful because Jesus is saying you have the power to change. You have the power to change your mind, change your direction. You have the power to change. And so Jesus went around and he would say it often, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And whenever I would hear the scripture, I would always think, oh, you need to repent because Jesus is coming back. I thought that's what this meant. You didn't repent because the kingdom of God, because Jesus is coming back. But that's really not what he's talking about. He's saying repent, change your direction, change your mind, change from being your own kingdom, and change and follow the kingdom of God. Amen. He's saying, listen, change. He's not saying, hey, be scared because Jesus is coming back. No, he's saying, hey, listen, you have the power to change. You have the power to change your mind, change the direction of your life. You have that power through the kingdom of God. Yeah. Amen? Through letting God be the king of your life. We're not good kings. You're not a good king of your life. I'm not a good king of my life. We can't, we can't handle it. We can't handle it. It's too much. We need God's kingdom. Amen. And what is his kingdom? What is that? It's his way and it's his will, his word. It's just putting ourselves under God and saying, you know what, God? I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to let you take care of me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come under you. I'm going to come under the shadow of your wing. I'm going to let you be my protector. I'm going to let you, I'm going to follow your guidelines and your way of doing things. Because you know what? God's way is better. And so Jesus is saying, listen, repent. Turn away from trying to do stuff on your own. How, you know, like Dr. Phil would say, how's that working for you? Right? How's that working for you? You know, it might work for a short time, but it does not work for the long time. And so Jesus is saying, repent. He's not saying, oh, you're rotten, you're dirty, you're this or that. No, God loves you. He's saying, turn away, make a turn. Make a turn. You have the power. You have the, whenever you hear the word repent, you need to remind yourself, that means I have the power. I've got the power to change. I've got the power to make decisions. I've got the power to do things. And so the repent, word repent is not negative. It's positive. And so Jesus is here in, in Matthew 3, 2. He says, repent, turn, make a change, turn, come under the kingdom of God. Amen? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And you know what? When it says that, it's at hand. 
So often we think that the things of God, the way of God, the will of God is so difficult and it's so far away. And you know what? God may feel far away, but let me let you in on something. He is not. He is not far away. He is everywhere. The Bible says that God is omnipresent. He is literally everywhere. You know who's not everywhere? The enemy. He's not, he's not God. God is everywhere. And when we feel like God is far away, that's just a feeling. Feelings are not accurate. Feelings are not facts. Feelings are not always truth. Feelings are reactions. You hear that? Feelings are just reactions to something you are perceiving. And many times those feelings are wrong. You know, I, I, I mean, I told you guys this story before. This was like a hundred years ago. And, and uh, it's, it's a good story, though, because it just shows the power of perception. And so we're in church, and this is when we were on Jog Road. And again, this is many, many years ago. And I'm sitting in the front row. I'm sitting there. I come in. I'm sitting down. And my sister-in-law, Donna, is on the stage. And she's singing and, and everything. And I don't have my, I wasn't wearing my glasses for whatever reason. I, I don't know. I probably couldn't find them or something. I don't know. And so I wasn't wearing my glasses. And I can see without my glasses. I, and I don't even wear them at home. But I could probably see probably to Jose. That's about it. You know, you guys in the back, you'd just be, you know, blurs. And so anyway, so Donna's on the stage. And, and so she's like, you know, making contact with me. You know how people do. You know, you probably see like me or Gabriella, we do that, or Devon. You know, they always try to get me to read lips. Just for the record, I cannot read lips at all. At all. Not, I can't do it. It's just, it's, I have other skills. That's not one of them. So if you're back there saying, you know, I love you, I have no idea what you're saying. I have no idea. But anyway, so my sister-in-law, she's like trying to make contact with me. She's making faces. She's smiling. And I'm, I'm pretty much ignoring her. And so through the service, the whole time the service is going on, she just keeps thinking, what's my problem? What's my problem? What, what, you know, why am I mad at her? What's going on? What's happened? You know, she's running through her mind thinking of all the things that she's done that could have made me mad. <laughs> and so after the service, she comes up to me and she's like, what's up with you? Like she gets in my face. What's up with you? And I'm like, nothing. Nothing at all. I don't know what's going on. And she's all mad at me. She's, she's in her feelings. She's all mad at me. And I said, what, what are you even talking about? She goes, I was trying to get your attention. I was, I was smiling at you. I was looking at you. I was trying to get your attention. And by the other I said, hello, I can't even see your face. You're just a big blur. I don't have my glasses on. You're lucky I even know who you are. <laughs> but you can see how feelings, she reacted to something it produced feelings that were not accurate. And so when you feel like God is far away, it's not accurate. Amen. It's not accurate. It's, it's just a feeling. Never be led by feelings because they're just reactions to what you are perceiving. And many times what you think is going on is not going on. It's not going on. Just like with her, what she thought was going on 
wasn't going on. I just couldn't see her. I couldn't see her face. And so when we, when we hear here, and Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's at hand. It's right here. It's right here. We just have to do it. But we get this mindset that we got to do so many other things and God is so far away and we got to jump through so many hoops and we got to do this and we got to do that in order to be in the kingdom of God. But Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God is right here. It's at hand. Amen. It's within a grasp of your hand. It's not that far away. And so when we look here and we see this, I want us to look over in Deuteronomy. We're going to talk today about it's time to choose. It's time to choose. It's time to make a choice. Amen. There are things in life where we, we need to get a beep, beep. Hey, it's time to make your choice. And so over here in Deuteronomy, I'm going to read this out of the message, which is a paraphrase, but it's so good here. And it's, it's kind of long, but I want you to grab a hold of it. He said, this commandment that I'm commanding you today isn't too much for you. It's not out of your reach. Let's just stop right there. Jesus said, repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's within your grasp. And then here, we hear in the word, and he says, listen, this commandment that I'm commanding you today isn't too much for you. Listen, the things of God are not too much for you. Amen. They're not too much for you. Doing things God's way is not too much for you. It's not out of your reach. It's not on a high mountain. You don't have to get mountaineers to climb the peak and bring it down to your level and explain it before you can live it. Oh, I can't tell you how many times people have told me, oh, I just don't understand God. I don't understand the Bible. I don't understand. And so they check completely out of the blessings of God, the salvation of God, the healing of God, the way of God, because they're making an excuse. I don't understand it. Listen, you don't have to understand everything to make a choice for God and live for God. There are still things in the Bible that I'm just like, mm, I don't know. Get over into Revelations and I'm like, I'm just going to trust God on that. There's things in there where you're just like, I, you know what? I don't, I don't fully have a real like 100%, but I'm getting it every day. I get a little bit more. Amen. But you know, so often we make that excuse. Oh, I, I can't do it. And then he says, and it's not across the ocean. You don't have to send sailors out to get it, bring it back, and then explain it before you can live it. No, the word is right here and now. As near as the tongue in your mouth, as near as the heart in your chest, just do it. Look at what I've done for you. And this is God speaking. He said, I've placed in front of you life and good, death and evil, and I command you today, love God, your God. Walk in his ways. Keep his commandments, regulations, and rules so that you will live, really live, live exuberantly, blessed by God, your God in the land you are about to enter and possess. But I warn you, if you have a change of heart, refuse to listen obediently and willfully go off to serve and worship other gods, you will most certainly die. You won't last long in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. He says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. I place before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life. 
so that you and your children will live. And so we're looking here, and again, this is Deuteronomy. It's in the Old Testament. Somebody say old, but it's still good. And he's talking to the children of Israel, and he had just brought, you know, he's talking to me saying, listen, you've got to choose me. You've got to choose my way, because if you don't, you are going to step away from the things of God, the way of God, the blessing of God, the protection of God. You're going to step away from all of that. And you know what? The same thing is true for us. Now here we are in the New Testament, and of course we have the grace of God. We have the mercy of God. But how many of us know doing things God's way is always going to work out better? I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. God's way is better. God's way, his, his, what when we say rules, you know, we look in the New Testament, it's about that relationship with God and God says, hey, listen, you don't want to go too close over here. You don't want to touch that fire because if you do, it will burn you. God puts up things in our life. He says, hey, don't lie. Hey, don't steal. Don't kill, love your neighbor, love yourself. He puts up these guardrails in our life, not to keep us confined and and, and trapped in no fun. No, he says, listen, I'm putting this here to protect you. I'm putting this here, and if you stay here, you can live exuberantly, the Bible said. You can live with peace and comfort and provision if you stay in here. Where's here? In God's kingdom. In God's will. How much better at the end of this year is if every, all through this year we've asked ourselves, what's God's will? What would God say? When we're faced with decisions, what does the word say? Listen, a lot of decisions have already been made for us. I don't have to pray about whether to lie about you. I don't have to pray about whether to steal from you. I don't have to pray about that. You know why? The word's already told me. Don't do that. The word's already told me. And so when we're looking at decisions and we're looking at our life, it's time to choose God's way. And I love when he says here, he says, I've set before you. And you know what? Every day it's set before us. Every day it is set before us. Will I choose God's way or will I choose my way? What will I choose? And you know what? It's time to choose. But you know, here's the thing. When what you're doing and what you're, what, if where you're going is already planned out, it's easy to choose which way to go. Isn't it? If you know where you're going, it's easy to choose what direction to go. And here's the thing, one of the ways that makes us make right decisions is to know who we are. Come on now. Amen? Come on. To know who you are. I'm a child of God. I've been made in the image and the likeness of God. God has a plan for my life. God formed me and made me before I was even in my mother's womb. The Bible says in Jeremiah, he knew me and he had a plan for my life. And the more of that plan I know, the easier decisions are every day. When you know your purpose, listen to me. When you know your purpose, decisions are easier. They're easier. When you know your purpose, 
And that's why here at church, we try to help you discover your purpose. Discover what you're made for. Discover the gifts and the talents that are in you. So that then when you're making decisions for your life, you can be reminded, oh no, the, I'm, I'm headed this direction. This is the plan God has for my life. And so this does not fit. Does not fit. Listen, who you marry and what you do, when you know where you're headed, you're going to marry somebody that's headed in the same direction. But if you have no idea where you're going, you have no idea what you're here for, it's you're just going to be sitting at the light. You ever, I mean, we live in Florida. We get behind tourists all the time, right? You ever been behind somebody? They have no idea where they're going. You can just kind of tell they don't know where they're going. They move a little this way, and then they move a little this way, and they, or they just stop. They just stop. There was a lady, I was heading down to Boca. There was a lady on 95. She was on 95. She turned her flashers on. Newsflash, you're not supposed to turn your flashers on if you're moving. All right, that's another, another, another thing, another thing, right? So she's on 95. She's got her flashers on. She's sitting, you know, whenever you don't know where you're going, what do we do? We turn the radio down. Right? Like, that's going to help us. We turn the radio down, and we sit up really close. Right? Isn't that what we do? We're focusing. And so this lady, she turns her flashers on. She sits up really close, and she's looking all around. And I could tell that she had no idea where she was going. No idea. And so she just stayed in the middle lane going about 10 miles an hour on 95. And I thought, oh, my goodness. But you know what? There are people, they do that exact same thing in life. They do the same thing in life because they don't know their purpose. They don't know where they're going. They don't know who they belong to. And so they're just kind of like, ugh. They're just terrified behind the wheel. Listen, you shouldn't be terrified behind the wheel of your life. Shouldn't be that way. That's not how God made for you. There's a scripture. I don't have it up here for you. I'm just going to read it to you. It's Psalm 16:5, And he says this. Let me just read it to you. It's not up here. My fault. It says, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You alone. Listen, you try to let other things fill your cup, be your supply, it's not going to work out. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure because you will not abandon me to the, to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. This sounds like a pretty good life, doesn't it? He says, <coughs> you make known to me the path of life. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. See, the life God has for you, where the boundaries are defined. Listen, there are boundaries in my life. There are just things that are not for me. There are places that are not for me to go. There are words that do not belong in my vocabulary. There is doubt and unbelief that does not belong where I live. The boundaries. But he says those boundaries are pleasant. They're pleasant. The life that God has for you is a good life. And he says this. He says, you have made known to me. You have made known to me. I love that. 
And you know what? That's why when we, if you're sitting here and you're going down 95 and you got your flashers on and you're terrified of what life has for you, you need to get with God so he can make known to you your purpose. Make known to you who you belong to. Make known to you what he has for you. So then when counterfeits show up, you recognize them quickly. When decisions need to be made, you're able to make them more confidently because you know whose you are. Amen? That will help you make decisions. You know, we're going to look at a guy who made my favorite, one of my favorite stories in the Bible um, is the story of Nehemiah. I've preached on Nehemiah a long time. There's a book in me to write about Nehemiah because it's just such a powerful place of scripture. And when we look at the book of Nehemiah, and maybe you're here today and you've never really read it, it's, it's not a long, it's not long, it's only I think uh, 15 chapters, 13 or 15 chapters, but chapters 1 through 6 are very powerful. And in chapters 1 through 6, we have Nehemiah, who's a regular guy. Anybody just feel like you're just a regular guy, you're just a regular person? He's just a regular guy, and he keeps hearing stories about how the walls around the city are torn down, and they're broken down, and the people are discouraged, and everybody is unhappy, and nothing is working right, and he's just a cupbearer. You know what a cupbearer is? He's the one who would taste the food before giving it to the king, and so if it was poisoned, he would do what? He would die. And so he's, it's, it's a low man job. And so he's the cupbearer to the king. But one day he, he's just moved so dramatically by the spirit of God. And that just, just a, a divine unction comes on him that he is going to do something about what is wrong in the world. He's going to do something about it. And so he goes to the king and he tells him, he says, the walls around the city are torn down and, and the walls of a city, it represented its strength. It represented its, uh, its protection. It was the strength of the city. If the walls were weak, the city's weak. If the city's weak, the people are weak. So the walls needed to be rebuilt. And so here a cupbearer goes to the king and says, I want to rebuild the, the walls. Would you write me a letter telling everybody to support me, to give me everything I need to get the job done. And you know what? The king did it. And so Nehemiah goes, and he goes to the city, and he sees, and he gets there. And the rubble, the rubble from the decaying walls is so, uh, so thick, he can't even ride his horse through it. They can't get anything done because there's too much junk laying around. Too much junk. That's another message. But what I want us to look at is Nehemiah chapter 1, verse number 9. So here he is. This is Nehemiah. He gets there. He's got to motivate the people. He's got to encourage the people. He's got to start getting the work done. But he does it. And you know what? We're in our second week of our prayer and fasting. We're in the, the, the second week or the, almost the third week of this year. And you know what, now's about the time when things that we've decided we're going to do or not do, we're going to add to our life or we're going to subtract from our life, now's about the time that we start giving in and rolling back to just like we were before, right? It's true physically, it's true mentally, it's true, listen to me, spiritually. If we want to be in a different place at the end of this year, we got to do different things. 
Nehemiah wanted those walls to be in a different place. And so they had to do different things. And so he goes there and he gets everything going. And so this is just like you are. You've got some things going. I've got some things going. But there's these guys. In, in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse number 1, we're going to read a little bit here. He says, sand ballot. I always say everybody's got a sand ballot in their life. And you'll find out why. Sand ballot, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained. Though we had not yet set up the doors and the gates. So he's working. He's got everybody working. They're almost done. Listen, you're working. You're getting there. He says, so Samballot and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at the village in the valley of Ono. I always joke, if anybody wants to meet you in the valley of Ono, what do you tell them? Oh, no. 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 And so they want to meet him. He says, but I realized they were plotting to harm me, so I replied by sending this message to them. I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come meet with you? I love another translation says, I am doing a great work. I cannot come down. I can't come down. And you know what? You're changing your life. You got a beep beep last week. And I've had so many people this week tell me, man, thank you. I, I'm, I'm going forward. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. You know, I needed that. I needed that. Sometimes we need just a little kick, right? We need just a little kick. And I've had so many people this week say, man, thank you so much. And so I want to encourage you, don't be surprised when Sandballad shows up. Don't be surprised when Tobias shows up and starts trying to get you to come down and stop doing and stop growing and stop serving and stop stretching and stop giving and stop doing what God has told you to do. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when somebody's like, hey, I want to meet with you. I want to talk with you. And here's what they do. And this is, this is the same thing. Man, people have not changed. And he says four times they sent the same message. Four times. And each time I gave the same reply. The fifth time, Sanballat's servant came with an open letter in his hand. And this is what it said. There is a rumor. There is a rumor. Among the surrounding nations, and Geshem tells me it is true, that you and the Jews are planning to rebel, and that is why you are building the wall. According to his reports, you plan to be their king. He also reports that you have appointed prophets in Jerusalem to proclaim about you. Look, there is a king in Judah. Man, isn't that what people do? And that what people, you start bettering your life. You start doing things a little bit differently. You start rising up a little bit. And sure enough, Sandballot, or we could call him Sandbag, Sandbag comes around and starts saying, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? You think you're so much. You're telling, every, you're telling everybody that you're the king now. They start spreading rumors, start saying things that aren't true. And you know what? They'll keep at it. And what, what are they trying to get Nehemiah to do? They're trying to get him to come down. 
And you know what? Those people in our lives, and we all have them, we've got a sandbag. Everybody's got a sandbag in their life. Everybody who's got somebody that wants to pop the balloon of your life. Everybody's got somebody that wants to tell you all the reasons why you are not the person for the job, or you are never going to get it done, or you're never going to succeed, or here you are, you're trying this again, you're doing that again, you're back in church again, you're doing this, blah, blah, blah. Who do you think you are? It's the same, because here's the thing. This may have been a long time ago, but here's the thing about people. They don't change much. The same problems that people had in the Bible are the same problems that we have. And so here you are, you're trying to do things better. You're trying to rise up. You're saying, man, this year is going to be different. I'm going to do things. God has put something in my heart. I'm going to step out. I'm going to do this. Whatever God's telling you to do. I'm not going to be your sandbag. I'm going to be your Nehemiah. And I'm going to say, keep building. Keep building. And when people say that, you need to turn around and you need to say, I am doing a great work. I am busy building my life, building the kingdom of God. I cannot come down. I like what Nehemiah said. He said, why should I come down and talk to you? And so when, when first the first approach doesn't work, then they start talking about you. Isn't that how it is? They start talking about you. They'll spread rumors about you. And you know what? This is what he replied. He said, there is no truth in any part of your story. You are making the whole thing up. Verse number nine says, they were just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. Here's the key. So I continued the work with even greater, even greater determination. Man, when people start trying to get you to stop, you need to be encouraged and reminded, this is just, this is just a fuel for my fire that I'm doing what God's told me to do. Nehemiah said, we just continue the work with even greater determination. And then skipping down to verse number 15 and 16. And so here it says on verse number 15, so on October 2nd, which is a holy day, it's my birthday, it's my birthday. So on a holy day of October 2nd, no, I'm just kidding, the wall was finished. Look at this, just 52 days after we had begun. When our enemies and surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized this work had been done with the help of our God. I just encourage you, keep moving. Keep going. Keep doing it. People might be giving you a hard time now, but just in a short time, they're going to be looking back and they're going to say, man, I see what God has done. I see what God has done in your life. I see what God has done in your finances. I see what God has done in your marriage. I see what God has done in your church. I see what God has done in your career. I see what God has done and what he has planned you to do. That business that he told you to start. That music that he told you to write. That book that he told you to write. That child that he told you to raise. I see what God has done. Man, don't stop. Don't stop. stop. When Sanballat comes, just look at him and say, I know who you are. I know your game. And it will not work. I am doing a great work. I am doing a great work. And I cannot come down. 
Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we pray right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for everybody here.